Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston, and across from me is Mr. Charles Chuck Thompson. How's it going today, Chuck? Did that make it easy for you that time? I So I thought you were going to do it <laughs> <I> just <laughs> until you grabbed your drink. I picked up my ice-cold Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar, and mm-hmm. this stuff is, let me tell you, it's the best diet drink there is out there. Do you guys think that as artificial as- sweeteners are bad for you. Yeah, I really most, hope they're not. Most definitely, they're not good for you. I really hope they're good for you because if on they're a, bad for you, that could be the cause of on all On a scale my... of one to good for you, they're not. Mm. I can tell you that much. <laughs> Aspartame, that's what we got in this thing. Mm-hmm. I heard it makes your brain better. To what it yeah. does. Well, this is Good Morning Liberty, Hawaii's favorite morning show. Thank you for hanging out with us this fine, beautiful Thursday. You know, we were originally going to be going through a video of Bernie Sanders on the floor of the Senate. He was standing down. They wasn't like laying down or anything. Uh, but he gave a speech about the inflation. His heart didn't attack him or nothing. No, no. no. He's still standing, unfortunately. <laughs> Talking about the Inflation Reduction Act. We're still going to go through that video, but we also have a few different news items that we have to rapid fire real quick before we get to this video. Because like, we've been known to make videos last a long time. Like Wednesday. Rapid Fire Wednesday. We'll just do Rapid Fire, like 20 stories a day. And uh, it makes it easier for everyone. Okay, so the very first thing we have. You know what we could do? Mm. We could do like a 10-minute show in the morning that just rapid fires the headlines for everybody. I did that for two days. Two days? Mm -hmm. How did that go? It was good. Yeah, it was a really good show. I didn't hear a single one of them. Anyone in here remember that? (laughs) Anyone, uh, maybe some people in the group were there for that because it was only for the subscribers at that time. I did it for like two days. Ah, I was like, screw this. This it's is too early. It's too much. It was like 530 in the morning. I was recording like what's going on in the news today. Yeah. You had to go out and find it. Mm-hmm. 10 minute show for everyone else. An hour show for you. It was way too long. Anyway, the, so here's our, here's one new thing that we had to mention. The Biden administration has officially declared monkeypox a public health emergency. Mm. Very, very dangerous right now. Now, there are a lot of people getting it, by the way. So it says it's infected more than 6,600 people in the United States. It's now a public health emergency. The Biden administration declared Thursday a move that could make it easier to tap funding and wield the federal bureaucracy to combat the once rare disease. This is We need a war. Mm-hmm. Wage yeah. 
a courageous battle against mo- against monkeypox. Yeah, the declaration came more than a week mm. after the head of back the- in the day when we got monkeypox as kids. Mom would just put us all together so that everybody <laughs> would get monkeypox so that we wouldn't get it again. I didn't have quite as many monkeypox <laughs> parties as you did. The official recommendation is to stop having the monkeypox parties right now. Oh, okay. So I people gotcha. are confusing that with chickenpox. Oh, okay. The declaration came more than the week after the WHO said the extraordinary situation qualifies as a global emergency. While the disease is being spread... We're going to have a fucking disease every I know, year now. New, new disease. Every year. This is 2022's gonna, disease. Oh. Now, we got a, we got some longevity out of COVID. I don't know how long monkeypox is going to last. Hopefully not too long. <laughs> and it's not like COVID's gone away. We just... It's still here. We just... We're treating COVID now as we, as, as we should have treated it from the beginning. Yeah, like the flu. Yeah, same thing. So while the disease is spread primarily among men who have sex with men, former U.S. What's a man? What do they what do they mean by this? Mm. Former U.S. Surgeon General Jerome Adams told USA Today, it's only a matter of time before the outbreak spreads in the population more broadly. How transphobic is this article? Adams is among those who called on the Biden administration to take more aggressive actions for the rapidly evolving situation. Unlike COVID-19, monkeypox is not a new disease and it's not as transmissible, but officials are running into the the same issues in combating monkeypox that they faced at the start of the pandemic. Here's the issue with combating monkeypox. No, here's the the government. Well, here's the issue, Nate. China hates gay people. That's that's what it, that's what it is mm-hmm. for sure. No, the biggest issue in combating monkeypox is the government. It's not monkeypox. That's the problem. Yeah. For example, testing for monkeypox was initially difficult in the U.S. as laboratories were not equipped for it. Identifying cases through testing and contact tracing remains key to stopping the spread, according to the WHO. Vaccines are also an important strategy. Of course, but we've got some vaccines for it as well. So it's literally our issue that we have right now is that these things that we have, vaccines and testing, which we have, don't exist as much in the free market right now as they are basically just controlled and owned by the government. Because we don't have everything. We don't have it in our national stockpile. Yeah. That's that's, the problem. Testing has been not that if you were not that if you were sick, you should be able to go to your doctor and be like, Mm. Hey, what's wrong? And he's like, well, you know, I got a little bit of monkeypox. And yeah. the doctor would be like, oh, we got something for that. Hey, you know, let me write you this anti-monkeypox prescription. Exactly. Right Testing has been made more widely available and hundreds of thousands of vaccines are being released, according to Ashish Jha, the administration's COVID-19 response coordinator. The U.S. has more doses of vaccine than any other country and may have more than all of the countries combined, Jha said. Mm. Jha said. Okay, so that's that story. Rapid fire. Listen, here's the, here's the thing. Are they going to run away with this, you think? Are we going to end up needing some kind of massive spending bill for this? Yeah, we're all going to have to wear penis masks, I think. <laughs> it's not. So those are probably more expensive than listen, face masks. I don't know why you have to be so homophobic about this, Charlie. We're just talking about monkeypox right yeah. now, okay? I'm, no, I apologize dif- uh, to everyone. Different than condoms, Bailey. These are these are penis masks. They're yeah. tight fitting ones. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, they, and look, that this way the monkeypox virus can't get through. They're going to make them special. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's only two companies that are going to approve to do it because they're the <laughs> only ones that can do it. So anyway, okay. on to the next story, Charlie. Speaking uh, of monkey, uh, speaking of diseases, 
um, the police have one. What's that? And uh, they've been arrested for it now. What's so, the disease? The disease is killing unarmed citizens. Oh, okay. Yeah. Actually, not unarmed in this case, but they're killing innocent life mm-hmm. by knocking on uh, doors they shouldn't be knocking on. From the WAPO, thanks, Jeff, for Louisville police, sorry, for Louisville, Louisville, Louisville police charged in Brianna Taylor probe. So four current and former Louisville officers are facing federal charges, man, in connection with the fatal police shooting of Brianna Taylor, including excessive force, falsifying information on the search warrant, and staging a cover-up. Attorney General Merrick Garland announced Thursday. Kelly Goodlett and Joshua Jaynes, see, this is insane that we all knew this, Mm. that they were falsifying information, doing cover-ups, all that. But I think this is a bit of good good news here. Uh, So these two are accused of falsifying information on a search warrant before and after Taylor 26 was killed in March of 2020, sparking a wave of racial justice protests across the country. Garland said that the officers not only violated Taylor's Fourth Amendment rights, but also knew the falsification would lead to a dangerous situation, one that resulted in Miss Taylor's death. The Attorney General said Goodlett and Jaynes allegedly met in a garage after the killing and conspired to lie to, to investigators about the circumstances that led to it. Brianna Taylor should still be alive, Garland said at a news conference. Former police officer Brett Hankinson is charged with two counts of deprivation of rights under color of law. He is accused of willfully using unconstitutional force for firing 10 shots through Taylor, Taylor's patio door during the raid. Hankinson faced three state charges of, of wanton endangerment for firing those shots without a clear target, but was acquitted at trial in March. Louisville Police Sergeant Kyle Meany, Meany what a terrible name for a police officer. <laughs> Hey, get the sergeant out here. Well, I'm Which, not going to get him. He's a meanie. <laughs> Kyle Meany is also facing federal charges. Janes was previously fired by Louisville Police Department for allegedly violating the department's policies in preparing the warrant for Taylor's home. Gentry, the interim chief, wrote in a pre-termination letter that Janes had lied when he wrote in the warrant application that he had verified through a U.S. postal inspector that Taylor was getting packages related to an alleged drug activity of her ex-boyfriend. Janes is suing to get his job back after lying. That's the kind of stupid situation we have, and that's because of the wonderful, wonderful unions that represent people. Like, did you get fired for lying on official paperwork? You can still sue to get your job back. You know, A good question right. from the live group, which if you want to ask questions, go to joingmail.com. Bailey says... Can someone remind me, did the boyfriend survive and what happened to him? He did survive. He did survive. and I'm He was belie- originally charged because he did shoot a police officer, I think hit one in the leg, maybe something like that, but the charges were dropped. Yeah. I believe, if I remember right. I'm pretty sure, yeah, the charges were dropped. They couldn't pursue it. Okay, so we got that story. I do think that that's good news. I need to look into it more uh, and try to get reacquainted with that case a little bit. It has been a while since we talked about it. Uh, but if they were lying to get the warrant and all of that and and going essentially under false pretenses. And it was a no-knock raid and, type of warrant. Then then that's bad. And it uh, clearly ended up with something bad happening. If it should have never happened at all, which it shouldn't have because it was about drugs in the first place, uh, then this is probably a good thing. Speaking of drugs, Brittany Griner, the WNBA player who was arrested in Russia 
Uh, it's been a bit now. Like, what's it been? Like five, five months ago? Yeah, four or five months, something like something that. Something like that. I can't remember exactly what. She's been sentenced to nine years in a Russian gulag on drug charges. Oof. Prison. They call them prisons now. Mm. But that's what they got. I didn't. Does actually... she even speak Russian? No, I don't think so. Mm. No, because she was listening uh, through an interpreter and speaking through an interpreter in the in the uh, courtroom. So no, she does not. So that's going to be, uh, I don't awkward. I guess uh, this is a listen. We probably don't agree with anything she uh, stands with politically. I've seen plenty of dumb articles about this, by the way, from people on the right, which might make it into dumb bleep. Uh, about how she hates America and she deserves to go to prison in Russia. <laughs> no, no, that's not the case. All right. People should be free to do whatever they want to their own bodies if they're not hurting anyone else. Obviously, she broke laws in Russia, so we can't do anything about that. I'm just talking on a human rights standpoint. People should be able to do whatever they want to their own damn bodies. Yeah. And so I am not happy that a human being is going to be held in a cage because they had some hash oil or whatever. Because they took a plant from the earth. Yeah. And changed it into something they could smoke. Yeah. And uh, like what Ricky just said, maybe it'll open people's eyes uh, for people still in prison in the uh, in the States. I think, I hope it does. I hope this kind of gets people in the gear on this. Now, we've got, she's from, uh, or she's in Arizona and recreational, I believe, is legal in Arizona. She also had a medicinal use card from Arizona anyway. Of course, that does not apply in Russia. Uh, we know that, and I'm sure she knew that, too. It turns out Russia doesn't recognize Arizona's cards. They or don't. their concealed carry laws. None no. of them. <laughs> so uh, I think they have open carry, actually, in Arizona. Just anyone. Yeah. Constitutional, right? And it, Yeah, this sucks for her. I don't know what, the, I don't know what can be done about it. Um, Perhaps we could do a negotiation. We'll get Brittany back and we'll stop the war. Well, they've been trying to negotiate by um, handing over we, someone that we have accused of being a Russian spy. And they talked about Trump? doing a, a Trump. <laughs> 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 we want to give them Trump and they'll give us. Well, they'll and they'll bring yeah. Brittany back. There we go. You know, free Brittany. Okay. Brittany. Those are those stories. Let's go to Senator Bernie Sanders, who was up there at the Senate talking about the Inflation Reduction Act. Now, I saw him go live. I saw him post about it. Unfortunately, I've got like notifications on for him because I hate myself. <laughs> and so I saw him you go- put yourself through the ringer <laughs> on that kind of, you know, the Twitter's bad enough, mm-hmm. but if you want to make it worse, talk to Nate. <laughs> he can he can help you out. There. It gets a lot worse for sure. So I started watching uh, started watching this, and at first, like I caught the very beginning, I was like, "Oh, he hates this Inflation Reduction Act," and he's about to point out that it's not going to reduce inflation. <laughs> I, that's literally what I was thinking at the beginning. I'll show you why I was thinking about that. Let's get this started. I've got some notes as we go down through here. Uh, let's just get this started, Bernie. Come on. That the so-called Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, may be coming to the floor in the coming days. Uh, as currently written, this is an extremely modest piece of legislation that does virtually nothing to address the enormous crises that working families all across this country are facing today. This reconciliation bill falls far short of what the American people want 
what they need and what they are begging us to do. No, that's we should just give people what they want. Exactly. And so I you catch that first part there and he even calls it the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, which is a modest piece of hundreds of billions of dollars worth of legislation, hundreds of billions of dollars worth of new taxation, uh, stuff like that. Very modest. It's understated, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so very modest piece of taxation legislation, inflation redu- reducing legislation. And it's not doing what the American people need. It's not. It is not tackling the crisis that Americans are facing, which, of course, is not enough money spent by the government on all of these different things. That's the crisis that they're facing. Mm -hmm. You'll also notice if you're watching the live video, I recommend you go to YouTube and watch because I've put a different snapshot of Bernie after each one of these clips. This is all one one continuous video, but I inserted pictures of Bernie at the times I'm supposed to pause it. What's going on in America today? For a start, in the richest country in the history of the world, half of our people live paycheck to paycheck. And because of inflation, a bad situation has been made worse. Millions of people today are wondering how they're going to pay their rent, how they're going to buy the food to feed their kids, how they're going to pay off their debt. I know we don't talk about them. They have no representation here, no lobbyists, no nothing. But that is the reality. Does this reconciliation bill address their needs? Does it address their needs? Now, he mentions that half of our people are living paycheck to paycheck, and this has been made worse by inflation. So I'm still waiting on him to tackle inflation in the upcoming speech that he's giving on the the floor of the Senate. Part of the problem that maybe we could talk about is the inflation part and how inflation actually comes about. Mm -hmm. Do you you think he's going to tackle it in the ways that we may may want him to? No, of course not. Does it raise the minimum wage to a living wage? (laughs) Or do we continue to allow so many workers to try to get by in 10, 12, 13 bucks an hour? Does this bill make it easier for workers who want to join a union to be able to do so, or they continue to be attacked by their employers, making it hard to form a union? No, this bill does nothing to address that reality. That's what we need, by the way. (laughs) To solve inflation, it must be easier to force people to join unions, honestly. Exactly. That's... Does the Inflation Reduction Act raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour? No. Does it make it easier for employees to force their company to allow them to join a union so they can control the company that they didn't start? No. Well, this ain't no Inflation (laughs) Reduction Act at all, is it? Reconciliation bill (laughs) is a bunch of nonsense. It's a huge problem. At a time when... Tragically, this country has the highest rate of childhood poverty of almost any major country on earth. Does this bill extend the $300 a month per child tax credit that was so important to millions of families last year? Does it address that issue? Does it say that maybe there is something wrong when millions of children in this country are dealing with hunger and with other basic human needs? No. Not a word in this bill addresses that. Right. So does the Inflation Reduction Act 
give all the families in the United States an extra 300 to like a thousand bucks every single month paid for no. by the taxpayers. No, no, it does not do that because it's the fucking inflation reduction act. Let's pretend for a moment that the goal of the inflation reduction act is to reduce inflation. Let's act like Even that's though it's not, but let's it's just, not. <laughs> yeah, it's not, but let's pretend that it is. Let's act like the goal. Let's, let's just give them all the credit in the world. Here's, here's why it's the inflation. Okay. We know that the big, a big portion of our current inflation is the cost of energy due to the cost of oil <laughs> because of our response to Russia invading Ukraine. <laughs> no. <laughs> What they're going to do is they're going to transition us, the U.S. government, the U.S. government is going to transition us over to a completely different form of energy. So we're no longer reliant on oil or natural gas or whatever. And then that is going to reduce inflation because we won't be affected by our own policies and not getting Russian oil and gas. (laughs) Does this bill give the average family of four (laughs) a yacht? So, so that nope. they could live like Bezos and his billionaire friends and make things more equal. Well, no, it doesn't. He also mentioned the highest rate of childhood poverty there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of kids what, dealing with hunger. We're the richest country in the world. Oh, and then we have among the highest rate of childhood poverty, by yeah. the way. So what you see when you walk out your door, by the way, here in America, mm-hmm. walk down the street, there are kids drinking out of the sewer system <laughs> because because poverty is so bad among children their parents are fine yeah but the the children <laughs> live in such poverty that they are fishing for their own crustaceans just to yeah. get a bite of eat to eat as you can tell with a few leaves also, does it do anything to change childhood obesity rates in the United States? <laughs> Neither one. No. <laughs> Neither one of those no. things. The obesity rate's higher than the poverty rate. Um, the uh, So, dealing with well, hunger. Well, that's what I was making a mockery because yeah. it's absolutely ridiculous. This is the hunger Like, thing. if you want to see real childhood poverty, like, there's a few places in Africa you can go to. Oh, I've been. There's I've a been, few places in India you could go to. You guys ever, uh, Pakistan. Had, ever had kids like beg you for water before? I'll tell you what, you get a kid beg you Not for water. Not even money. No. They just want water. Water. Then you understand what life is like for a, a billion people on the planet. Now, the poverty rate, by the way, this is an impossible thing to compare between countries. It's literally, you can't do it. We all count our poverty rate in a completely different manner. Some, some of them, so for instance, there are so many different ways we count it. First off, the thresholds are different in all the countries. So the number that we present as poverty, well, that's defined by whatever we determine to be the poverty rate, whatever that poverty line is. Just arbitrary. Which then again, as you have more and more kids, the threshold gets higher and higher for you to be in poverty. So like you could be making enough money to support yourself, but then you pop out four kids and you're like, in terrible poverty. Destitute. Really, really mm-hmm. bad. And then also, of course, the threshold is different in different countries. Some of them it's higher. Some of them it's lower. So you can't really even compare between the countries there. Some people count the amount of money 
that they get in benefits from the government, like a welfare, SNAP, stuff like that. Some other countries don't count what the government gives in benefits as the amount of people that are in poverty. It's literally an impossible statistic to compare in at least, I spent at least two hours today going through the poverty rates in different countries, and it's a mess. I'll tell you what, it's a complete and total mess. But the thing you should be most worried about is how how childhood poverty in America is one of the highest rates. Yeah, it, You know, it can get so bad, by the way. You walk out your door, <laughs> you will find little tiny children nibbling on these stray dogs' fecal matter just to consume the worms for protein. <laughs> I see it that's, every day. I see it every day. I walk out my door. It's bad. Yeah, it's really bad. And I just, yeah, I throw money at those kids. I feel so bad for them. <laughs> All right, Bernie, let's go. In my state of Vermont and around this country, families are paying on average about $15,000 a year for childcare, if they are lucky enough to find a slot. $15,000 a year. It's one-third of the salary of a family making $45,000. I don't know how people can afford well, Let me just check your math it's, on that. That was pretty good. Pretty good math. Child care. And meanwhile, child care workers earn horrifically low wages and poor benefits. At a time when we have the highest rate of childhood poverty of any major country on earth, does this bill address the dysfunctionality of our child care system? No, not a word. <laughs> okay, I don't know if you guys caught this, but it do, it neither it, it 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 addresses neither of these problems. One, child care is too expensive. It does not address that. And it doesn't address another equally terrible problem that childcare workers don't get paid enough <laughs> either. Yes. This. So if we could get a bill that would subsidize childcare while also raising the minimum wage for childcare workers, then, then that would be the bill. Then right maybe, there. just maybe, we could reduce inflation. That's how you would reduce inflation. Are you doing like an ET thing? I feel like that's what right he now? It's like a, this weird lazy hand. Yeah. I, you got to like watch the video. We're doing it around. Burn, we got burning hands. At a time when over 70 million Americans are uninsured or underinsured, when we spend twice as much per capita on health care as the people of, only, of almost any other major country, while insurance companies make tens and tens of billions of dollars a year in profit, when 60 million people a year die because they can't afford to get to a doctor when they are sick because they're uninsured or underinsured, does this bill do anything to help us create a rational, cost-effective health care system which guarantees health care for all as a human right, something that every other major country on earth does? No. Bill does nothing to address the extraordinary health care crisis that we face. No, no. First of all, let me say, now, <laughs> this is, let me say, by the way, this, this 70 million uninsured or underinsured, that keeps growing. It's a lot. Because when they passed Obamacare, that was supposed to take care of the 24 million that were uninsured <laughs> or underinsured. I don't, we still have Obamacare. Well, I don't see how. What I'm telling you is all of this, all of this is a result of Obamacare, which we we've said for a long time 
in fact, before Nate and I had a show back in 2012, we were talking about how this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. That this was like that was just us calling each other on the yes, phone. Yes, that this is it. what's going to happen is is because well, one, the insurance companies wrote the damn legislation, so of course they earmarked their profits for themselves. Of course, if I wrote legislation, I'd make sure my family was taken care of too, and then. We had to pass Obamacare so that all these people would be taken care of. And now in the era of, of Obamacare in the last decade, we've literally almost quadrupled the number of people who are uninsured or underinsured. Well, also you change the definition of underinsured as, say, uh, inflation, to, as prices go up, stuff like that. Are you underinsured because you can't pay for all the stuff that you need? It could still be the same uh, amount, but the prices have gone up so much that a lot of people have now moved into the the ominous underinsured category, which could, you know, by their calculations, could include any, every single person who has to pay any amount of money out of pocket. <laughs> it's uh, it's 70 million people. And by the way, Bailey called it. I'm going to give Bernie the benefit of the doubt and just say that he meant to say thousand instead of million. But he did say that 60 million people die because they don't have insurance to take care of their ailments. Mostly kids because they... <clears throat> Because they're, they're starving. 60 million. Out of our 330 million population country, just so you guys know, either he meant to say 1,000 or we are led to believe that 60 million people die, not just from diseases and stuff. Those are only the people who don't have insurance, even though there's 70 million people without insurance or underinsured, 60 million of them die. Every year. <laughs> I'm assuming he meant 1,000. So, and by the way, that stat is dicey as well. I read the studies on that today. Some of that number includes people who were going to die anyway, even with insurance. (laughs) So, COVID. Yeah, they would have all been killed by COVID anyway, Mm. so it doesn't matter. And does, Charlie, does the Inflation Reduction Act provide medical care for every single person in the United States? Does it create it as a human right? A human right? A human right. No. Well, that's, Which is an injustice. That's no inflation. There's no way you can reconciliation that. That is no Inflation Reduction, reduction Act. Reductant Act. I'm not a fan of that. Mm-mm. All right, Bernie, what else you got, man? I'm can't, mad. I'm you fired can't up. reduce inflation without providing health care as a human right. Mm-hmm. Because okay. the the way to fix inflation is by taking money away from everyone and using that to pay for the stuff that you're making too expensive by taking money away from everyone. Mm. There you go. That, Problem solved. That dog floats. President, at a time when 45 million Americans are struggling to pay student debt and when hundreds of thousands of bright young people every year are unable to fulfill their dreams, unable to get a higher education because they cannot afford the high cost of higher education in this country. Does this bill do anything to make it easier for young people to get a higher education? No, guess not. Doesn't do a thing. Doesn't do a thing on student debt. But, <laughs> why don't you just write the Bernie bill, you know? Does the Inflation Reduction Act provide free college tuition to everyone? No, if this gets a no vote, I'm fine with that. Oh, he's still going to vote for it. 
but he just wants the people to know. Yeah, he just want he he put in amendments for like all this stuff, mm. and they're all going to get voted against because if they try to do any of this, they'll lose Mansion and Cinema, and that it'll go nowhere. And Bernie will still vote for it. Yeah, this is just another opportunity for Bernie to get out his. That I don't. I mean, is he possibly the most envious person in the United States? Maybe. Bailey said he's a king of wanting to fit fifty pounds in a twenty-pound bag. That's probably because when we get when we get finally get to uh, rice rationing, and everybody gets a twenty-pound <laughs> bag for their family, he's trying to find a way to fit fifty pounds for his family. All you got to do his is rice bag. All you got to do is redefine the system of measurement and just start calling twenty pounds fifty pounds. That's all we got to do. Mm-hmm. Now you got 50 pounds. Boom. Inflation. All right, Bernie, what else you got, man? I'm pissed. Mr. President, 55% of senior citizens in our country are trying to survive on incomes of $25,000 a year or less. Just something hard to me to understand. Really is. Think about being 80, 90 years of age, trying to make it on 25000 a year. Maybe your spouse has died. I don't know how you do it, but more than half of the people in our country who are seniors are trying to do that. Many of these seniors cannot afford to go to a dentist. And in Vermont, and I suspect in Arizona as well, there are senior citizens walking around without teeth in their mouth or teeth that are rotting. There are seniors all over this country who cannot communicate with their kids or grandchildren because they can't afford a hearing aid. They can't watch TV because they can't afford a decent pair of glasses. Is there anything in the currently written bill to expand Medicare to do what some 75, 80% of the American people think we should do, and that is expand Medicare to cover dental care for seniors, hearing aids, and eyeglasses? No, this bill doesn't touch that at all. <laughs> what a great picture that is. That's some good pictures of Bernie in yeah. here. Look, I I like his heart for old people. Yeah. You know, it 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 has to be really hard to live off $25,000 a year mm-hmm. as a senior citizen. It's really hard to watch your big screen TV when you don't have glasses. Mm-hmm. That's got to be really tough. Yeah. And it is true that people are struggling. Like P- people do struggle. Yes. And so that that is tough. But should it be included, first of all, why are they struggling? And then should we fix it in this Inflation Reduction Act? Well, part of the reason they're struggling more now is because of inflation and because a lot of them are living off of Social Security, uh, which is uh, what the government pays you for all the money that you paid in the Social Security throughout your entire lifetime. And it's not enough to live off of. Now, some of the stats are difficult on this, by the way, what they count as income. That does not count the retirements or any of the money in the bank or the wealth that those people have at all. They're only talking about their income. So it's very easy to inflate those statistics. Half of the senior citizens out there are living on $25,000 or less. What if they have a lot of wealth also in the bank? We'll see that's not counted in that statistic. I don't know if you guys noticed, but one of the biggest, you see, you go down the streets in America and uh, one of the biggest problems we have right now are these fights breaking out. And it's between those kids that Charlie was talking about mm. and the senior citizens uh, that are trying to fight over the water puddle to try and get themselves something to drink. Mm. You know, it's one of the big problems that we have right now. Uh, is it the case that 50% of the senior citizens 
just have that $25,000 and nothing else at all. And it's hard to see from your privileged position. But if you just yeah. open up your eyes, this is what's going on in America. Oh, what else is going on? Well, we got to get the dental and the vision, of course, in Medicare. Um, you know, like you said, it's it's sad. I want them to be able to get all those things. Um, I think it would be cheaper for everyone to allow the private market to supply those things. We talked about, uh, what was it, Beats or one of the Apple headphones getting qualified as a hearing aid and how much cheaper it was going to be than the hearing aids that, that you get paid for through through insurance or whatever plans you might have. There are ways that you can solve this problem. You throw a bunch of money from Medicare at it, you're never going to get those cheaper options. There'd be no reason for them to exist. At, no, I might all. start a hearing aid company, actually. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. And when we talk about our seniors and disabled Americans, does this legislation do anything to help the millions who would prefer to stay in their homes rather than be forced into nursing homes? It's an issue I hear quite frequently in Vermont. Can't find help for someone to come to my house to help my mother or my disabled father. Does this bill address the crisis of home health care? Very serious crisis. No, not a word. Now, that's another one that, you know, gets you in your feels. Now, those, a lot of you probably don't know this, but my grandma lives with my mom and my mom takes care of her, takes her to dialysis and does all that. It would actually be very beneficial to be able to have someone come into the house and take and take care of her, but it's too expensive. They they can't afford it. So that is a real problem. Inflation Reduction Act, though. Proper thing to put in to the Inflation Reduction Act, you think? I mean, that's going to be super expensive, by the way, if you're going to provide in-home care for all the senior citizens as they get older. I don't... If we do all these things, Nate, I don't think people actually care about inflation anymore. Maybe that's the point. Mm. This is like a Percocet. Why would you care about inflation mm. if everything that you ever need is paid for? Every Everything you could ever want, mm-hmm. Nate. Just pass another bill to yeah. pay for it. In fact, we need everybody needs gold flakes on their filet <laughs> mignons, and then we'll be set. We have a major housing crisis in America. Some 600,000 Americans are homeless. And nearly 18 million households are spending an incredible 50% of their limited incomes for housing. Everybody acknowledges that we have a major housing crisis and that rents are soaring. Does this bill, which supposedly represents the needs of the American people, even deal with housing? One word? No, it doesn't. So another thing in the Inflation Reduction Act that you want is uh, help for everyone to pay for their rents. There's a difference, by the way. I don't know if Bernie doesn't know this. He, he doesn't. He doesn't know this. We'll we'll let him know. There's a difference in reducing inflation or giving people a bunch of money to counteract the high inflation. Now, one of those would just lead to more and more inflation. You know, the price is just going to keep going up. Do you think the government has anything to do with why the prices keep going up and up? On houses? The real answer is yes. But we're not going to actually tackle inflation here, the causes of it. We're going to tackle the symptoms of inflation. That's what Bernie wants to do with his Bernie bill. But right now, 
in our country, and I know we don't talk about it very much. I hear almost no discussion on the floor. Everyone get ready because this is something that we don't talk about very much and you hear no discussion about it on the floor. We have more income and wealth inequality than any time in 100 years. What How is, do the American people feel? What, what is that? What? How bad is it? <laughs> <laughs> we never talk about this. Never heard of that no one's before. Never Why hasn't anyone mentioned this before, Bernie? What is this inequality? Is the first I'm hearing. <laughs> What's going on? Oh, man, this has been a disservice to the American people just now finding out about this. Knowing that three people own more wealth than the bottom half of American society. We talk about Russia and Putin and the oligarchy over there. It's true. An oligarchy robs the country blind. We have an oligarchy here as well. Three people own more wealth than the bottom half of American society. The top 1% owns more wealth than the bottom 92%. 45% of all new income goes to the top 1%. And what we have seen during the pandemic is Billionaires becoming much richer, while working people by the thousands die because they had to go to work to make a living. Today, CEOs of large corporations make 350 times more than their average workers. <laughs> How much money have they lost since the peak? No, no, we're just going to talk about that same stat that covered about eight months worth of time. And that's it. Oh, well, it was about a about, year and a half. Let's not talk about. Yeah, you're right. From you're March right. Yeah, March 2020 I, to November 2021. About the forgotten year 2021. I forget yeah. about that one. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was a good year, right? Yeah, the um, you know, the market overall has lost like 11 trillion dollars so far this year, and uh, a lot of that's also in the one percent. So he went through. So the first part that was annoying to me was he talks about three people own more wealth than the bottom half. Well, that's a great statistic. That's awesome. Then he brings up the Russian oligarchy. We have an oligarchy here, too, with these three people that own more <laughs> wealth. I don't know if you guys know this. It's basically the same thing as the Russian oligarchy. <laughs> yeah. Where the, where the government... They're also at war with Ukraine. Yeah. Where the government owned the means of production, and then in privatizing all of their production, they gave it to some very well-connected people there in Russia that now they own all the means of production the people that are heavily connected with the government. That's essentially the same thing as Elon Musk creating Tesla. Yeah. Well, it's really SpaceX, Nate. You think yeah. he's launching rockets to Mars? No, no, no. Those are rockets to Ukraine mm -hmm. to back up Putin. Probably. Because it's the oligarchy that's going to take over the world. Yeah. Same thing. The Jeff Bezos, same, same. Amazon oligarchy of one that mm -hmm. he has, where he forced Americans into this terrible situation of getting two-day shipping included with their membership on almost any product you could ever want. It's we're, basically just like Russia. We're dealing with the Musk price hike. Mm-hmm. Now. It's the Musk and Bezos price hikes. And then Bill Gates comes in at number three. And uh, screw that guy. 45% of all new income goes to the top 1%. Now, what a great way to have a statistic. 45% of all new income, new income that is generated, goes to the top 1%. Let's do an exercise here, Charlie. This is fun. Um, let's see. Let's say I make $1,000 every month. And then let's say you make $10,000 every month. Just complete hypothetical. Let's say that we both increase our income by 10%. 
Now, I've just generated an extra $100, and you've just generated an extra $1,000. There's new income among the two of us of $1,100, and a 1,000 of it went to you. It's 92%. We have to stop this. Because <laughs> that, what I just said, makes no sense. That is completely unfair. See, that's the idea right there is that income is distributed, not earned. So when you think about income as something that's distributed, then that means it should be distributed differently. But when you realize that income is not distributed, it's earned. Both people could be earning the same percentage gain on their income. But when you're starting from a lower amount, obviously, uh, it's not going to be as much. And when you total the two together and see how much went to each person, of course, the person who makes more is going to be the one that got most of the new income that was generated. Oh, man. Then he went on the CEOs. You guys can go back to the 170 episodes where we talked about CEO pay. Mr. President, not only do we have income and wealth inequality, we have another issue we don't talk about much, maybe a little bit. That is, we have more concentration of ownership than at any time in the modern history of this country. We have a handful of giant multinational corporation, corporations often engaging in price fixing, who control what is produced and how much we pay for it. And I think many Americans now notice that at a time when we're paying increased costs at the gas pump, increased costs at grocery stores for food, surprise, 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 these large corporations are making record-breaking profits. Paying five bucks for a gallon of gas, well, the good news is ExxonMobil and these other corporations are making huge profits. Huge Huge profits. Not to mention that the government decided that those were the only ones that were essential during the <laughs> yeah. pandemic, by the way. That's not important. It's yeah. also, uh, you could bring in the pandemic or you just bring in regulation in general. They've decided a lot of these companies are the only companies that should be allowed inside of their regulations that they have. Mm -hmm. Take that whole baby formula example where they decide that all the money in the WIC program could just go to one company. And then you get bad when something bad happens with that company. Of course, now we got a problem. We got a monopoly. Of course, how did the monopoly get there? The government. That's great. Mm. Isn't that awesome how that happens? And yeah, guess what? As prices have gone up, as inflation, as more people have more money to spend on fewer goods because of the pandemic, profits went up too with prices. Isn't that weird? I don't even, I mean, that doesn't make any sense economically. Well, keep going here. Didn't we gotta, the government's <laughs> prices, didn't their revenue also go up? Um, high all-time highs on corporate uh, corporate taxes. Well, I'm just saying their gas tax is a percentage. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, everything's a percentage. There's sales tax percentage. The good news, Mr. President, is that the reconciliation bill finally begins to address the outrageous price of some of the most expensive prescription drugs under Medicare. As you know, we pay by far the highest prices in the world for our prescription drugs and for those under Medicare, this begins to address that issue. Bad news is that we will not see the impact of these negotiated prices until 2026, four years from now. Why? Got me. I don't know. Good news. We're to the good part here. And then Bernie's got some really good ideas coming up here in a minute. Just solid ideas here from Bernie. Uh, so I looked up a couple drugs. One of the top ones that came up was uh, Humira, which is made by Abbott. It's actually made by AbbVie, which is just a part, part of Abbott. Uh, so that's one that's sold in the U.S. and the U.K. In the U.S., it sells for twice as much as what it sells for in the U.K. 
This is a problem we talked about a lot. This U.S.-based company, by the way, sells to people in the U.S., sells to people in the U.K., people all over the world. But those other countries, they've done price fixing on what they are willing to pay for those drugs. What happens when they do that? What happens to the place where there is not a price control? They make up for it. They make up for it by charging higher prices. Because if they need to make 100 bucks here, 100 bucks there, 100 bucks there, but then two of the places put a cap at 25, well, then they've got an extra 75 per to make up, so an extra 150. So then we'll get charged 250 and everyone else will pay 25 for it. And that's what's been happening mm. with the drugs. Well, Once, that doesn't matter. No, no, it's not important. Not important at all. We're basically subsidizing the other country's lower drug prices is, uh, is what's happening. And what you'll end up seeing is uh, less drugs, you know, which I heard drugs are bad, but not all of these. Good drugs. Yeah. All right, let's go on. We're going to seriously address this issue now. This bill does nothing to lower prescription drug prices for anyone who is not on Medicare. Now, if we had the courage to seriously address this issue, we know exactly what to do. It is very, very simple. For over 30 years, the Veterans Administration has been negotiating with the pharmaceutical industry to lower the price of prescription drugs. The result of Medicare not negotiating prices has been that today, Medicare pays twice as much for the same exact prescription drugs as the VA. And Americans, in some cases, pay 10 times more for a particular drugs than the people in Canada or in other countries. How insane is it that you have one federal agency called the VA that pays 50% of what Medicare pays? I mean, how crazy is that? We could simply require Medicare to pay no more for prescription drugs than the VA pays. End of discussion. A rather simple solution. We could save Medicare some $900 billion over the next decade. That is nine times more savings than the rather weak negotiation provision in this bill. Nine times more. They get $100 billion, we would save $900 billion. And by the way, that money could be used to add comprehensive dental, vision, and hearing benefits to every senior in America. It could be used to lower the Medicare eligibility age to at least 60. And it could be used to extend the solvency of Medicare. <laughs> as if, as if like these drugs just exist. Yeah. You know, by the good graces of these scientists developing these drugs, they just are there. You said this is a simple fix, though. We know exactly what to do. We'll just control the prices. Problem solved. Mm -hmm. I that's, actually think he said it. It's worked. Just like that. It's worked before. Now, between the VA and Medicare, you've got kind of the same thing playing out, by the way, that we just talked about with different countries. The VA, they'll say they're going to pay half the price of uh, what Medicare is paying. Well, that's okay. We'll just charge way more of the Medicare into everyone else who's paying for all the drugs. Sure, we'll cut that deal for the veterans. We love our troops. We'll support our troops. You think they have access to the exact same drugs that everyone else does? Or is there a different list of drugs that they have access to? I don't know. Not sure about that. And what I especially love is he talks about how we're going to save $900 billion. And what does he want to do with that? Spend it. Spend it on stuff. 
Not reduce the taxes you pay towards Medicare. Not reduce any anything else, any of the other expenditures. We're going to save $900 billion. And don't worry, sir, I've got a list of stuff we can spend that $900 billion on as soon as we save it. It's been burning a hole in my pocket <laughs> yeah. since I wrote this down. <laughs> like lowering the Medicare eligibility age down to 60. That's super important. You know what else is important? The fact that we could use that $900 billion to fix the insolvency issue of Medicare, this program that we already can't pay for, which he's, he mentions there at the end. He said to extend solvency. <laughs> so is he admitting that Medicare is, in fact, insolvent? Oh, extend the solvency, yeah. <clears throat> Not even fix the insolvency issues. Extend the solvency for we'll push, a period of time. Kick the can down yeah. the road just a little bit longer. All right, let's at speed least this up. push it down to where I'm dead. Is what he's saying. <laughs> That's it, Mr. President. In terms of the Affordable Care Act, this legislation will extend subsidies for some 13 million Americans who have private health insurance plans as a result of the ACA over the next three years. Without this provision, millions of Americans would see their premiums skyrocket and some three million Americans could lose their health insurance altogether. But let us not kid ourselves. The $64 billion cost of this provision will go directly into the pockets of private health insurance companies that made over $60 billion in profit last year and pay their CEOs exorbitant compensation packages. So he's upset that the money for the ACA that they put in this bill is going to go to the insurance companies to pay for their higher premiums, which they're only higher premiums because of the greed of greed. that mm. industry, of course, and not because like costs are going up on anything. It's just because the insurance companies are greedy. To make that case, of course, the insurance companies made $60 billion last year. Now, one might ask, how much money in health care did they cover last year? What did they year? pay out? What did they pay out? $1.5 trillion, which means that they profited about 4% off of the money. Makes them one of the least profitable industries that there is out there. Walmart still hasn't beat, but... You know, one of the reasons that they saved so much money and profited so much last year is because people were scared uh, to go, especially in 2020. When you go back to 2020, people weren't going to the hospital as much for all the other stuff that they were trying to take care of. that They normally would take care of. They weren't going to the hospital because they were scared still paying their insurance premiums, but the insurance companies weren't having to pay out as much because people weren't going for all this other random stuff. They weren't going for checkups. They weren't going for anything. So 4% profit from the, the healthcare insurance industry, that's just too much for Bernie. These people should do it for free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I picked another good Bernie screenshot there. <laughs> they should do it for free. What's a fair compensation for the $1.5 trillion in health expenses they paid out? A uh, hundred thousand. hundred thousand bucks? Yeah. 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 Just do it for free. They live like the rest of us. Could they make your wealth, Bernie? Would that be okay? There's also something that we're lacking in here, and that's that we're not spending enough money on climate change. Mr. President, this, this legislation provides $370 billion over the next decade to combat climate change and to invest in so-called energy security programs. The good news is that if this legislation as written, is signed into law. It will provide far more funding for energy efficiency and sustainable energy than has ever been invested before. Given the existential crisis that we face, given the fact that we are fighting to make sure that this planet remains habitable and healthy for 
younger generations, this clearly is not enough of an investment, but it is a step forward. Let's, let's let it play through to the next one. Yeah. It has to do with it also. However, Mr. President, the bad news is that this legislation includes a huge giveaway to the fossil fuel industry, the people who are causing the climate crisis. Now, it might seem a bit incongruous to people why we are rewarding the people whose emissions are driving the temperature of the earth up and causing massive destruction, but that is, in fact, what this bill does. Under this legislation, the fossil fuel industry will receive billions of dollars in new tax breaks and subsidies over the next 10 years, on top of the $15 billion in tax breaks and corporate welfare that they already receive every year. In my view, if we are going to make our planet healthy and habitable for future generations, which I would hope that every sane human being believes we should, we cannot provide billions of dollars in new tax breaks to fossil fuel companies that are destroying the planet. We should end all of the massive corporate welfare that the fossil fuel industry already enjoys. The fossil fuel industry will not just benefit from the provisions in this reconciliation bill, a deal has also been reached to make it easier for the industry to receive permits for their oil and gas projects. This deal would approve the 6.6 billion Mountain Valley Pipeline, a frack gas pipeline that would span 303 miles from West Virginia to Virginia and potentially on to North Carolina. This is a pipeline that would generate emissions equivalent to that released by 37 coal plants or by over 27 million cars each and every year. Well, to my mind, that is a heck of a way to address the climate crisis. How does he even think that he's standing in that building, speaking on the, spo- the podium that he is and all of that? It, these people you just assume, like, this, we are this privileged that <laughs> we don't realize the things that surround us is a, is a miracle. Mm-hmm. That we're all not still living in tents, burning wood to stay alive and hunting buffalo. <laughs> the, the fact that you're even here, actually, probably, because your ancestors probably would have not made it had it not been for the advances in human development, which is in large part due to the discovery of oil. Well, Think those, about what it's led to. Those people have destroyed our planet, Charlie, and we are all going to die because of them. So who cares? They talk about uh, just a little uh, annoying, annoying thing to bring up. He says the fossil fuel in- industry is causing the climate crisis. Now, let's assume that there is a climate crisis and that our use of fossil fuels has led somewhat directly to that. I still wouldn't say the fossil fuel industry has caused the climate crisis. I know that that's annoying, but it's actually the people who use energy that have caused the climate crisis. Mm. None of those companies are forcing you to run your AC or to use your phone or to drive a car around places or anything. It's the people who continue to use more and more energy all the time that are causing the so-called climate crisis. And if you want to stop it, then just stop using all of it. Turn your lights off. Just, but that's a, every sane human being would believe that this is a bad thing to do, by the way, Charlie. I love it when they do that. Yeah. Don't you? If you don't agree with them. Then you're obviously insane. You are insane. Exactly. 
And, you know, again, to the point, which is like all this stuff would just exist. Like, unfortunately, a byproduct of being a human being is you need to consume energy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's this weird phenomenon. But also every other living thing consumes energy, yeah. by the way. Now, there could be better ways of doing it. That's a discussion for another time. But to, to the just to think that we could just...